following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. Now, here's your hosts, John and Steven. Thank you. This is Caffeinated Comics. I'm your host, John Clark, and we are live. We're in person on a remote. We're not on Zoom. We're not on StreamYard, and every time we are not, it is a reason to celebrate, because my whole life is working, looking at screens, and I call somebody I know once an hour a week, and I look at them on a screen, and I hang up, and I'm alone again. That's the life of the podcast. <laughs> but... Uh, but uh, we're taking a trip. I'm spending some time with Howie Weingarten. We're watching nothing but bad movies yeah. for four days. Mm-hmm. And we've got a lot of bad movies we can cover. Many. But yeah, but I think I want... Uh, at least a half dozen. If yeah, I, I think we, we did at least three a day. Yep. Uh, uh, over the last three, four days. And uh, Howie's wife wanted almost no part of it. Mm-hmm. Smart woman. You know, she would come in, ask what the title of the movie was. And leave. Yeah, just from the title alone. Ah, what's this? Oh, that's very nice. Security. What is it? Oh, it's called Frankenhooker. Um, and, and then a bedroom door would close. Yep. Bye. <laughs> so, I'm going to go listen to my audio book. Mm-hmm. You know? Smart woman. You know? So a lot of what we were watching... Silly enough to marry me, but smart woman. True. Uh, but I, I, a lot of what we were watching was stuff from... It was stuff from the 80s. Some A lot of some, stuff from the too. 60s. Mm-hmm. You know, all crap. Something from the fifties as well. Yeah, something from the fifties. All right, that was Uh, something. And we can thanks. And we can go down the line of them, but like I think the only new movie we watched was Indiana Jones's Dial of Destiny, which is itself a A throwback, but a throwback to a movie from the eighties. Yeah, yeah. So it made me think: Are are we getting so old that all we want to do is look back? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you can follow me on Instagram. <laughs> That's the podcast. I can listen. Bye. Yeah, because it's something you and I talk about a lot. Of, sure. Um, I don't want to be stuck in the past. I don't want to be somebody that's just like isolated and and doing this, looking at the same things over and over and over again. I know, John. You know, I don't want to be up till. Well, I do. I, like last night, we were up till two in the morning watching original Star Trek. Yeah. You know. Yep. Uh, and granted, we watched movies we had never seen before, but they were all movies we meant to see as a kid. Right. And they were bad. So are our brains calcifying? Probably. As mm-hmm. we speak. So nostalgia, yeah. Nostalgia, I think, it's always important. And maybe it becomes more important as you get older, just because there's more and more track. Mm-hmm. But like somebody like you, you and I were having a discussion watching Star Trek last night. Yeah. You were saying that you only really like the original series. Correct. You never, like, even Next Generation, and Next Generation is now nostalgia, because it was... 90s? 35 years ago. Late 80s into early 90s. Yeah. And... It's a long time ago, as much as we hate to admit. Yeah, I was in a... That's a long time ago. Yeah. And we were kids back then. Yeah, I I was in a comic store. I went back to my old neighborhood in New York, and there was a new comic store there. It was great. Right. And I walked out with a 1993 Batman the Animated Series Catwoman. 30 years so, so, yeah, so a figure I had when I was a 20-year-old, I bought again. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing I bought this weekend. I didn't buy anything new. Mm-hmm. You know, I went we I went to the Museum of the Moving Image and looked at Muppets. <laughs> you know, there's... still nostalgia. Yeah, it's all... it, it that's nostalgia. nostalgia. Become, you think nostalgia becomes stronger every year? I think so. Yeah? I think so, because I think it reminds us of a place that we were... At a place that we enjoyed, a place that we liked, and um, and it's and it's almost like a quote unquote, and I hate to use this expression, but a safe place. It's just like ah, oh, remember back in the nineties, you know. It's just like ah, oh, things were so much easier back then, and were they? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Nah, I think you just forget about the crap. Well, I think the crap back then is 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 uh, diminished by the crap of today. Yeah, but the personal crap, I think, is always personal crap. Personal crap is always personal crap, and that's always important at the date and time. Yes. But the thing is, is that if you have kids, now you're raising kids, you're, you're responsible for two other human beings. Mm-hmm. If you're married or in a relationship, mm-hmm. now you're worried about this. It's a long-term thing. If, uh, you know, 
you're worried about, you know, you know, doing taxes and stuff like that and, and, and going to work and, and being responsible. When we were in the 90s, it's like, hey, you got fired, you got fired, didn't matter, it was not your career, it was just a job. Just felt bad about yourself. Just felt bad about myself. And um, if, like, let's say you're doing taxes and stuff like that, you know, we didn't make enough to uh, usually have to report. Good point. You know? We, yeah. You know, now it's just like, oh, did I file this? Did I file I was that? Saying, I was saying last year, now my expenses a month are what I made the year of 1999. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what you I know? reported on my taxes for the year is yeah. what comes out of my paycheck every month. Correct. But back then I was terrified that that's the way it was going to stay. You know. Because I always used to say this is like, mm-hmm. they say they say nothing stays the same, but I've known people that were stuck everywhere I've ever been. Right. Yeah. So that was a huge fear. But I think maybe for entertainment, it was like, just seemed secure. You didn't think so much, is this going to get canceled? You know, are, are there new writers on this? Is this mm-hmm. taking right. a direction I don't like? You were just like, hey, the show I like is on. Well, that's also the thing is just like, I mean, today you have so much material available to you. How many different Star Treks are available? There's so many. Yeah, there's five new Star Treks in You know, production. you can, the thing is, is that like when we were kids, it's just, especially when we were in, in high school, because we're going now back to the 80s. The thing is, is that there was one Star Trek series, two, you know? Well, it was and a that, big deal when there was two. And that was it. And, but the thing is, We is grew that, up watching the reruns of one. Right. The thing is, is that they came out or they re-aired at a certain time every night, mm-hmm. you know, or it was every once a week, a new episode, and you had to wait. Yeah. Today, it's on demand. You get it instantaneously. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. If it's a new show, oh, they just dropped three episodes of, you know, Andor, whatever. Right. Yeah, show. Yeah. The thing is, is that there's no waiting time now. There's no, there's everything. Everything is, is you catching get up. it when you want. Every conversation you have about your friends with new new stuff is, did you see it yet? Right. You know, I'll wait until you go see it. It's not like, were you guys watching that show last night? Correct. You know. I, and but, there's something nostalgic about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's you know? something, there's something about, there's something, um, there's something solid. And I think when you're a kid, everything seems very solid because you have no control over anything. Right. But you figure your parents got everything under control. Yeah, but you're not going to get you kicked out so. of your house. Yeah, yeah, but you're not worried about getting right kicked out of your house. You're not worried about right. getting thrown out of school. You're just right. dealing with the stuff well, you're dealing with. Only a real dummy would get thrown out of school. But that's besides the point, dummies. <laughs> anyway, so the thing is, is <laughs> keep going. <laughs> Hey, Thanks for I've, calling everybody dummies. I on think the show. I've come to a screeching halt right Keep there. <laughs> no, but the thing is, is that like you know, you've got everything now available at your fingertips. I remember my grandfather used to come over. Fingertips, fingertips, fingertips. The thing is that my grandfather used to come over, and uh, and sometimes leave Thanksgiving early because he wanted to go home and watch mm. The Wizard of Oz. Mm. And the thing is, is that. If it was on Channel 2, like 8 o'clock. And you bastards wouldn't put it on for him? No. <laughs> oh, he did, but he no. also but he also wanted to get home early. Because he was know. afraid of the flying monkeys? Yes, exactly. You know? <laughs> oh, no! They're going to come to my son's house. <laughs> you know? And flying monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you missed The Wizard of Oz back then, you had to wait a year. It was yeah. never... Rebroadcast and and that's and that's a classic film that was rebroadcast. Most movies you're like, what what the hell is this? What was that movie? And he just yeah. passed it. We were even talking about when there was cable and there was everything. We watched right. a couple of movies last night. Uh, stuff like uh, and I just like saying these titles. Yesterday we watched Doctor Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine with why? Vincent Price why because it had I Vincent Price that? in it. That's why. why. And it was why it was basically. It was basically one scene from Austin Powers for ninety minutes. Oh God! With Vincent Price in it, and then we and we watched uh, Morons, Frankenhooker, <laughs> and these which were was a tra- actually a trauma movie, a trauma movie, but really uh, adorable in a way. It was kind of it was endearing. It was yes. it was very likable. Uh, well, why these, I don't know. I don't but know. There were a lot. Of, there were a lot of exploding boobs in it. You know. Well, one one question that we were asking ourselves yesterday is like, you know, what makes something, you know, that's bad likable, and some another thing that's bad. Yeah, unlikable. We, we bailed on a couple of movies. Like we watched, um, 
uh, we were saying how tra- trauma back in the day, right? You know, people like James Gunn came out of trauma. Right, um, right. Tiffany Sheepis was a friend of mine back in the '90s and was on Star Trek. She came out of trauma. There were people kind of like Roger Corman, right? But like those movies kind of had like a style and a sense of humor to them. Yeah, that like we put on a full moon entertainment movie like the Puppet Master guys, and uh-huh. within ten minutes we we're like, Ugh. but but then we finished Frankenhooker and we were like that was great. So we put on Surf Nazis Must Die. Which, Which is terrible. Another Trump movie didn't get 10 minutes into it. Yeah. And it was those movies were made maybe three years apart. Right. So what is it that makes bad good? And is nostalgia a factor in that? Um, I'm not sure if nostalgia is a factor in that. Because I think some of the... Uh, you know, the thing is is that about, about Frankenhooker... There was something about Frankenhooker that was... Uh, it was funny. It didn't take itself seriously, obviously. Obviously, it's it called Frankenhooker. You know... And and the thing was was that like surf Nazis it almost seemed to have more of a uh, a serious feel to it where it was kind of like all right yeah when you called your movie surf Nazis and, just and they were like, literally Nazis with surfboards and it's just I don't want to watch that shit yeah you know so it's it's kind of like all right you know what no one ever I think sits down and writes a movie intentionally that you know is going to be like. No one's ever gonna watch want to watch this. Yeah, I do. You know? feel, I do feel that there are times. Some people will write a movie that like is they, bad. I know purpose. it's gonna suck. Yes, but people will enjoy it. <laughs> but I'm getting paid for this. But I'm getting paid <laughs> for it as well. And let's get it over with. You know, but but I don't think anyone sits down and says this is going to suck and no one will like it. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like that movie that we watched, uh, Bella Lugosi meets the Brooklyn Gorilla. You know, which uh, I, which was pure genius. Bella Lugosi meets the Brooklyn Gorilla. Um, I actually heard about. I heard about this all the time growing up, and this this is another reason that it, it makes me think of nostalgia. Because here's mm-hmm. a movie from the fifties, maybe the worst movie, maybe it's worse than Plan Nine from Outer Space. Yeah, you know, it's more annoying. It's more it's annoying. irritating. You want to really? You're like, Bella why, goes, why yeah, am I watching this? Bella goes to meets the Brooklyn Gorilla. If you don't know, Dana Gould does does a huge deep dive into it on one of his podcasts. But it's a Martin and Lewis ripoff. A bad ripoff. Yeah, with with two guys that don't have any talent, and one guy's one guy's skinny and yelling in a nasal voice, and the other guy's just kind of standing there, not paying attention, waiting to sing. But then they threw Bella Lugosi in it, so because Bella Lugosi was in it, we needed to see it. Right. It it it's Bella's nostalgia. It's yeah, it's wretched, but there was something fun to watch about it. You know, and we're both Bella fans, so oh, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and, it's it's up oh, Bella slam dunk, put it on. Yeah, it's one of those like I haven't seen. Well, and the same thing with Vincent Price. Yeah, I love I, we love Vincent Price, and it's like okay, here's a movie we haven't seen starring Vincent Price, mm-hmm. and the, and it's called Doctor Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine, and it's nothing it's nothing but fembots the whole movie. Really, yeah, fembots and him yelling at his assistant Igor, who looks like he works at an accountant's you know, firm with Frankie Avalon and For, the and other Dwayne guy. Hickman, Dobie Gillis. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Yeah, yep. I love that movie. I know. <laughs> It's awful. It is terrible. I almost threw you out of my apartment. It was just, it was, it was, it was like, it was just like, eh, let me see all these Cyber Monday sales, you know? Mm. Yeah. So, what do you think? What do you think is the line? Socks are on sale. Look at this. What? What? Do you, what do you think? What's the line what, between nostalgia? What, no. Uh, well, we can get into that. But okay. what's what makes a bad bad movie a bad good movie? Um. <laughs> like, what's the commonality in something like? I think you hit on it when you said there has to be something that you like. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's it's almost like a comedian on stage. I heard one time somebody say, it's like a comedian's first uh, obstacle is to get an audience to like them. Yeah. You know? And if the audience doesn't like them, you're done. Right. You know? So I think with Bela Lugosi, with Vincent Price, we like them. So they've got that going for them immediately. Yeah, it's almost like you're being invited to a party with people you don't know, but you're being invited by somebody you do know. You know the and host. You're like, All right, yeah. You know, and, and what, what other shenanigans go on, we'll find out. Dr. Goldfoot, it was nothing but shenanigans. It was shenanigans, like, really. But, you know. Shenanigans within shenanigans. It was the multiverse of shenanigans. It was, it was bad. I bad. recommend watching it, though. Really bad. So, anyway, the thing is, is that... Um, there has to be that likability factor. With Frankenhooker, there was something likable about the guy who was like Dr. Frankenstein, you know, yeah, quote unquote. Quite the Jersey accent. You know, that there was something likable about his girlfriend, you know. Yeah, who becomes a Frankenhooker. She was actually better than she, she was needed to really be. She was a really good actress. She was funny. She was funny and she like, she was just like, it, 
you know, she didn't just mail it in. I mean, look, she knew she was making, you know, a movie that, you know, trauma film, a cheap film. She's probably getting paid like, you know, you know, X amount of dollars, maybe hundreds. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe single thousands at <laughs> you the know? most. Because she is on the poster. She is on the poster. Yeah, and she's there so people can look at her body. That's number oh, one. Oh, yeah, she's got a great body. You know, that, as do... you know that audition first was take off your robe. Yeah, you're going to be naked in this movie. Are you comfortable with that? Yeah. Okay. So And then we're going to paint a zombie face on you. Yeah, you know, so... And then, you know, there's going to be, you know, this is that and the other thing. And it's just like, can you do this? And can you do some physical comedy and stuff like that? And can you, you know, so she's, yeah. So there was something likable. I think likability is, is the most, is the most important factor. Yeah. It's like, even with something, when we watched Indiana Jones, it's like, you like Indiana Jones. So you've right. got that going in, mm-hmm. you know, what they that, surround him with. Which is why I was with, ex- excited for every single Indiana right. Jones Exactly. Uh, sequel because I love that character. Right. Here's him doing more things. Mm-hmm. I kind of don't care if it's great or good. I just don't want it to be bad. Right. Exactly. Now, the thing is, is that after the likability thing, then you have to get into like, well, what is the plot itself? Is this kind of a serious plot? Is it not mm-hmm. so serious? Is it, is it something that I'm really emotionally invested in? Is it something I'm sitting back and laughing at? And, and how well is this executed? And how well is this executed? Yeah. And then, of course, there's special effects. Well, there's production values. Production values, yes. of course. Like, you know, Dr. Goldfoot had yeah. production values. Again with the Dr. Goldfoot. I'm not leaving it. I know. But, like, Dr. Goldfoot had the resources that Bella Lugosi meets a broken no. girl at did You know you have not. to get to the airport, right? <laughs> Are you threatening to not take me to the airport? Because if you don't take me to the airport... And you're staying here. And talking about... And, and showing watching you the other Dr. Dr. Goldfoot and the bikini and the You bikini might as well mention bombs. that one. Yes. Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Bombs. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about bikinis. I guess, yeah. And that's fine. Which, hey, look, I'm not complaining. But I think mm-hmm. I think you're right. There's a likability. I think um, tone has a lot mm-hmm. to do with that. It's like, do you think that the people in it are enjoying themselves? Right, yeah. Like, and that's the difference because, again, Dr. Goldfoot, you feel like Vincent Price is kind of having fun. I would hope so. You know, I don't. It was goofy. Yeah, I didn't feel like Sammy Petrillo was having that much fun. Uh, yeah. And neither was I. Belagosi certainly wasn't having any fun. There are full shots of Belagosi sitting in a chair staring at the floor and drinking. And I'm yeah. not even sure he was supposed to be in that scene. <laughs> just sit there, Bella. And it was just, you know, the thing is, is that like, you know, it's just like, that, that's the one thing. It's just like, if if the people who are making the movie look like they're having fun, they're enjoying it, yeah. usually that rubs off on the audience. Well, we were talking about Last night, and I think this is a perfect example of what you're saying, the two worst Batman movies, mm-hmm. and uh, it used to be there was one worst Batman movie, and then they made another worst Batman movie. Mm-hmm. But there's a few. We were t- we were talking about yeah, is the George Clooney Batman and Robin the worst Batman movie, or is Batman versus Superman the worst Batman movie? Now I know there's Snyder fans that say it's good. I'm just I'm discounting that. Uh huh. <laughs> I think it's terrible, and. I watched Batman and Robin again with my son, who's Martha. getting who's getting into Batman, and I'm like, "Do you want to watch some really bad Batman?" And he's like, "Oh yes, I do." Um, so we watched Batman and Robin, uh-huh. and it's terrible. It's right. It's it will always be terrible. But I realized this time I was enjoying it more than I was enjoying Batman versus Superman, and I think it was because of tone. Because Arnold Schwarzenegger. Knows he looks ridiculous as Mr. Freeze. Right. He's smoking a cigar. <laughs> as Mr. Freeze. Yes. So he's Wow. Which means at some point, Mr. Freeze, <laughs> who cannot exist in normal temperatures, <laughs> is working a cigarette lighter. You know? Is creating fire heat. in front of him. Yes. You know? He's melting. But he seems to be having fun. I don't think nobody in Batman is Superman right. seems to be enjoying it. Like I, I, I don't think Henry Cable smiles as Superman. Right, right. No, probably not. The whole movie. It's so there's like a meanness to that. There's a seriousness to that. There's a distancing to Batman versus Superman. Correct. That and which is something that offends me as a fan of those characters because I feel like that movie is deliberately pushing me away from the characters mm-hmm. because it's doing the opposite of why I like them. And And that's exactly what they did in Last Jedi. Yeah. Well, yeah, and Last Jedi, I think, is up and down. Oh, I think Rise of Skywalker is a complete... Um, POS. Yeah, I think it's a complete failure. Yeah. Last Jedi, I think, it concentrates too much on zigging where it should have zagged. But I know a lot of fans, you included, were, like, pissed off. And rightly so, the way that, like, Luke Skywalker is handled after... Right. 
30 years. Because, like, you would think that, like, you know, it's like Luke. It's, it's almost like it's almost like a, a thing where, like, you know, Luke in his younger years is is a kind of open-minded, progressive kind of thinking. Kind he's hopeful. Of, he's hopeful. In a way that Superman usually is. Yes. And then it's, it looks like when you get older and when you look back on your life and you see your failures, you become closed, angry, and you're just waiting for the waiting for the eventual end. What's funny because I don't I hope that life is that is people don't live their life like that because there's so many more hopeful, fun, happy things you can do when you're older, you know, as opposed to being young and you know this this the the you know the the whole world is wide open for you. What's well, funny you make that point because that was uh, a lot of the criticism against. Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny, which you liked. Yeah, definitely so, liked it. Like, a lot of people were mad that it's like, oh, he lives alone. He's drinking a lot in the beginning of the movie. Okay. Like, there's a lot of flasks going in coffees and, like, empty tumblers next to him. Right. And people are like, oh, Indiana Jones is just sad and old and depressed the way Luke Skywalker was sad and old and depressed. No, the but way there's a John difference. Luke Picard is sad and old and depressed. But... There's a difference. What's the difference in your Because he gets off his ass... Mm-hmm. You know, and um, and yells at the hippies and <laughs> the grunge hippies who were playing magical mystery you know, tour. Well, the, no, there's something about it. It's just like you know, it's just like yes, Luke also gets off his ass and goes to help people, but it's it's kind of like it's kind of like I was I felt like Indiana Jones. This is something that he that he wanted to do. This is something that he felt mm-hmm. like he needed to do. You know, he doesn't with, feel obligated. To that's the thing with. with with Luke Skywalker and Superman, it's almost like, okay, this is what I have to do. Yeah, begrudgingly. begrudgingly. Yes. And that's what I think turns people off because nostalgic-wise, mm-hmm. the thing is uh, the thing is, is that everyone remembers Luke as the young, hopeful guy. He's the only one in Star Wars who believes in Darth Vader. Right. He's the only Darth one... Darth Vader doesn't believe in Darth Vader. Darth Vader doesn't believe in Darth Vader. Kenobi doesn't believe in Darth Vader. No one. Right. So he's got this 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 like, you know, wide-eyed, you know, Pollyanna mm-hmm. kind of like view of the world that you know, if we just put our minds to it, we can do this, you know? And and I think that's why people get upset because the nostalgia tells them you can have this thought and not people in their real lives have become this this went wrong in my life. I failed yeah. at this. I didn't do that. I regret that this didn't happen. I wish that this didn't happen. I'm sorry I did this. And you we know. all have that. Yeah. I mean, we're all going to go... Look, we all have an expiration date. Mm-hmm. And we're all going to go down saying like, you know what? Ah, I wish I had a better time doing this, that, or the other thing. Yeah. But the thing is, is that, you know, the hopeful person, the, the optimistic person says, well, why can't you make that happen now? That may have been something that you you may have missed out back then. Like, mm-hmm. I look back on, like, college, and I'm like, oh, I wish I could have... Like, I, I went away to school for, like, basically, like, a year, less than a year. Right. When I look back, I'm like, oh, I wish I could have had the four-year experience living away at college, stuff like that. Thing is, is that, like, I look at it back through, through the nostalgia kind of thing, seeing, like, what my nieces and nephews are doing now. It's like, wish I could do that. Here's the thing. It's just, like, for me, back then... It just wasn't in the cards. It just wasn't something that I was mentally prepared for, for a myriad of different reasons that we're not going to get into. The but it thing, was not really an opportunity that you had. But the thing is, is that, right. But the thing is, is that like, okay, you're looking back at all this fun that you could have had back then. Why can't you have this fun now? What's stopping you from being happy now? Is it, are the, are the you know, the thoughts of missing out, the FOMO of, of what happened in the past enough to stop you from enjoying the present and then also looking at the future and saying, you know what, I want to go out and do that because that's something I've never done, you know? And it's something that it's just like, you know what, I've always wanted to do it. Why can't I do it now? I'm, you know, you know, young enough, you know, I'm just, there's no reason that I can't, you know, there's, there's, you know. Yeah. So when I talk, when we, you know, I talk a lot about, I mean, we've been friends for now, um, was it four, almost forty years? Almost forty years. Yeah, I, I think we met in nineteen eighty-eight. Seven, eighty-seven, eighty-eight. Junior year of high school for me. I think it was more like. A, yeah, you know, when I started, I started high school in eighty-six. It would have been know that we hung out a lot. 80, when I not started. freshman year, but no. sophomore year. Yeah, so like eighty-seven, eighty-seven. 87. 
But I saw you and I talk a lot about really what older men talk about. We talk about like 36 years, but yeah, we talk a lot about when we were in college, when we were young men, single yeah. and, and had just having fun. Very of single. <laughs> and we, we talk a lot about like, Oh, what, you know, should I, I wish I dated more. I wish, like, I wish I'd traveled. I wish yeah, I, but yeah. you're right. You didn't have that opportunity. We didn't have, we didn't have any money. I didn't make any money till I was 30. Right. So I was like, but we made, we enjoyed what we did. Like, and you know, what we did was fairly simple. We went to the local bar where we knew our friends were. We right. went to see my friend's band that was right. like, like easy to Went to, to see get your into. band. Yeah, went to see my band. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was just saying before we recorded, like if I had the money, I probably would have gone to comedy clubs a lot. I, I definitely would have gone to see more concerts. Like mm-hmm. I would have seen Nirvana, but I didn't right. have the money. Right. But when I look back, I'm like, well, we had fun. But we had fun. We had, yeah, we had uh, probably the most fun that... Well, we, sitting, we had in our lives. Yeah, were we sitting around uh, moping and stuff like that? Yeah, from time Sometimes. to time, maybe, <laughs> sure. You know, but other than that, we did go out and we had fun. I mean, you know, or or we sat in like a, a place where just like we could just like sit and just like watch movies, eat crap, you know. Mm-hmm. Shit, that sounds like this weekend. And, well, uh, and and that's exactly why we're doing it. I think that's why we're talking about nostalgia. And that's, that's like, the whole I, thing. Yeah, I just came for a visit and... We rejected every opportunity to go out and do anything, but we would watch four crap movies a day because that's what we used but to that's do. What we do. Yeah, you know, and that's what makes us happy. Yeah, because I still live with my parents, so they had cable. Right. So we just watched cable. Right. And there, were, yeah, but you're right. It, there is the tone and the spirit in that, and I think talking about getting back to Indiana Jones versus Last Jedi is that you're right. When Indy. They all basically have that same story. But Last right. Jedi, and I know you're not a next generation person, but Picard had that same thing as like, uh, um, you know, my, my adventuring days are over and I'm here and I'm alone and I'm retired, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm and I'm isolated. I don't have any of my friends right. anymore. But all those stories are about how they get back to the person they were. And right. It seems like, and I don't think you're wrong in this. It seems like Luke is kind of like, Luke doesn't begrudging. Luke never becomes... The person he was, whereas right. Indy, like once the adventure starts going, uh huh, you know, yeah, he he is the Indiana Jones in the beginning, yeah, like he is crack, he is cracking the jokes and he is thinking on his feet, right? And he, is, he he displays all the pieces of the personality that he used to, yeah. And Picard season three, which I loved, is just like that too, where season th- season three is almost a new show from one and two, right? Because season one was like. Last Jedi, where Picard is like, he's living on his vineyard and he's not in Starfleet anymore, but then this adventure comes and he's got to protect this girl and he gets into it. And um, I thought it was uneven. A lot of people just hated it. But then season two was kind of the same. And season three, there was like, this is the last season. This is all we're going to do. Bring back the entire next generation. Put them on the Enterprise. Have them fight the Borg. And people love that nostalgia. And man, tears welled up when... Mm -hmm. And they also did it really, really well where they just, every episode they brought back right. another character. Okay. So it's like the first episode, Dr. Crusher's there. Then the next episode, oh, yeah, nice. Riker is added. Then Data, then Jordy. So you don't get everybody until the end. So then the end was just beautiful. It's right? like a collection. It's like when you're collecting something. But when they're all back together, yeah, there is that joy that the characters, sure. the characters and the actors have with each other. Right. And that you had watching that show. Right. Like I was taken back to... Um, and I was like you. I loved the original series and didn't really like Next Generation until mm-hmm. later in the run it turned me around. But I always remember being the end of that run, they would show reruns every night on a local one. Right, channel. right, right, right. And I remember being there, watching it every night and every day. It just brought me in deeper and deeper. Sure. Um, to the point where I didn't even realize it. When mm. when they all get back together and they go back on the Enterprise, which they completely rebuilt, mm-hmm. man, I, I started tearing up. And I didn't think that I was that connected to it. But it's because it's the feeling, the good feeling you had watching it. They were able to capture that and bring it back. Mm. And what, and when they don't do it, mm-hmm. that's what really turns you off. Right. And that's the interesting thing about Indiana Jones is some of us think they did it. Some of us think they didn't. Well, it's, you know, going back to uh, just Luke for a, for a second. Yeah, with, uh, which you think they didn't. The Last Jedi, yeah. Well, the thing was is that, like, there's never in the... Final three Star Wars. There's never a scene with Luke and Han because Han's already dead. Well, by, they keep yeah they keep all three you know? separated. You know yeah. every the there's, only there's one thing scene with Leia and Han. 
there's you know and that and it feels like it feels like they feel like the couple that broke up years ago that are just kind of like you know we still care about each other but you know well you know they're, just, they're co-parenting they're, they're co- you know yeah and their son is doing shit and he's yeah they're he's like oh god damn it you know but uh it's just kind of like you yeah, there's oh there's that affection but it it, it doesn't feel real mm-hmm. it feels feels like something that would like like happened when they were younger and just doesn't doesn't feel real anymore then even even more to the point is there's that one scene where Luke is with Leia on before he you know goes out to fight Kylo Ren yeah 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 and he says to Leia you changed your hair and that's like the only thing that that it's just like instead of like being like you know this is his sister you know, mm-hmm. being like just that, it's just like you change your hair and then they have a few words of dialogue and then he goes, you know, outside. Mm. It's just like there's there's nothing, there's, it's like, it's like the old Luke would have been just like more like just open. Open. Well, yeah, and The Last Jedi, a lot of that story was how he became closed off. But you're right, my favorite thing about Force Awakens, and I like Force Awakens, I don't like that they couldn't keep, sustain that. Right. You know, Force Awakens to me was a greatest hits package. That's exactly you, what you it like was. You like Han Solo, you like the Millennium Falcon, you like the Death Star, you like Stormtroopers. We're doing all of it. It doesn't bring much new to the we table. We've got some lightsabers for you. We've got some gunfights. We've got some you know, battles in space. We've got some aliens. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but the Everything best, you could ever want. The best thing about Force Awakens was Harrison Ford. Like, yeah. Because he had he brought that attitude back, which is why I was so excited about Indiana yeah. Jones. Because I was like, you brought him back in Star Wars and he nailed it. Then you brought him back in Blade Runner and he nailed that. Right. And uh I liked that second Blade Runner. It wasn't a huge hit. But I mean Blade Runner still the original Blade Runner is quiet right. and takes well, its time yeah. and, and is yeah. you know, reserved. Sure. But you're right. Luke and Luke and Leia are very serious and they're serious to each other. Mm-hmm. Leia doesn't crack a Leia barely cracks a joke in the she has a little bit of that attitude, like you when know. she's dressing Bo Dameron down. Yeah, but, but that's you know it's and Luke is you know this embittered, but you're right. He never and he never completely comes back to who he is. The no, way, the way that Indiana Jones does right away, and the way that it takes John Luke Picard a couple of seasons to do, but he gets there. But he gets there. Yeah, that's the thing, and that's the, and that's why people feel that you know that warmth, you know, <clears throat> with that nostalgia. Mm-hmm. It's um. It's what they're comfortable with. It's what they know. Yeah. You know, it's what they're, you know, used to. And you always have to experiment. You can't, you know, you can't do the same old thing. Day no, of day course day not. You got to try new stuff. But but you got to know, like, is this really going to work? Are you doing this just for the sake of, like you said, I'm going to zag what I really should have zagged? Does this still fit the tone of what it is I'm you know, working on? Yeah. Because you like, have... Just a, say, does it still feel like Star Wars? Does right. it still feel like Indiana Jones? You have your core audience. You have your people who are going to go see it, you know? Like, you have the, you know... You know, you have, you've got folks who are in their, you know, uh, 50s, 60s who remember going to the theater in 77. And that, that feeling... Like, yeah. I remember walking out of that theater when I was, you know, six, seven years old. And I was kind of like, oh my God, what the hell did I just see? I'm dizzy. I'm like, it's just like, whoa, I, I still, I got to process this. And basically the entire world did the same thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because it was such a phenomenon. Yeah. Um, You know, you want that feeling of that wonderment, that, that feeling of, of just being like, just so blown away by what you just saw. Yeah. And then when you pull the carpet out from under people's feet, you know, they get they get angry because they want more of that. They they want that they're coming for a feeling. They're coming for a feeling. Yeah. And that's I mean, all entertainment is you're sure. is you're coming to feel something. Yeah. You know, it's it's not academic, it's emotional. And if you don't give them you can do variations on that feeling. Variations are fine. Because you know it's making me think of something you're much closer to than I am. But that last trilogy of Halloween. Oh, yeah. You know, it was a lot like the Star Wars sequels, where that first one was great. That first, the 2018, it felt like the original. It yeah. had that same feeling, it, but it was modernized. It was a little smarter. Okay. And then that second one was like, that didn't quite work. Yeah. And then it was like, well, maybe this is the weak middle one, and they'll pull it out at the end. And yeah. Then, and then I hated that la- the la- the right. last one. Because the last one wasn't even about what the series was about. Right. That, you know, Halloween Ends was about... This new character, Corey, who was just annoying, 
and like and how he yeah. becomes a serial killer. Yeah. And Michael Myers is just standing in a sewer, and it's like and he takes his mask away. Yeah, and the, big badass Michael Myers gets his mask taken away. Yeah, and and even as you know, I'm I appreciate the Halloween films, but I I'm not into them. Right. I've seen them all, and sure. I, I think a lot of them are very bad. Yeah, <laughs> but. Well. But some of them are, are a lot really of good. Would argue with that. But even I was watching Halloween ends, going like, "How did you forget to make a Halloween movie in Halloween?" That's so true. Because the thing is, is that like, if you would have, if I was in charge of that of that series, it wouldn't have been a series. It would have just stopped at twenty eighteen. Perfect way to end. Mm-hmm. He's down to that thing. She got him. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden, nothing's there. Wait, did he escape? Did he not escape? You know, just just leave it on that cliffhanger. And then if you have to make another movie, then, then reboot it. And then reboot it. Cause exactly. Because that's, that's the thing about the franchise is, is that not only not only do they like like to keep the IP going, in some ways they have to. Mm-hmm. Like you look at things like Batman and Spider-Man. Right. They kind of have, they have to make a movie every right. few years. Right. Sony, especially because that's Sony's contract with Disney, is they have to make a Spider-Man movie every few years or Disney gets it back. So, which is why you get, you can get great stuff, like, right. across the Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. and you can get the Tom Holland movies where they work with Disney, but then you can also get the Amazing Spider-Man movies, which were just rushed out, mm. just to, like, make a date. Or, right. Or, like, Batman, it's right. like, you know, hey, Ben Affleck's Batman now, and it's like, I don't think this works, we don't, we don't care. <laughs> and then it's like, well, now Robert Pattinson is Batman. Well, is Ben Affleck still Batman? Yeah, for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> just because they, they have to have something in the theater mm-hmm. that says Batman. Batman. And Halloween is kind of the same thing. It was kind of like that. So, yeah. You know? That 2018 could have been a standalone and it could have ended it. It could have been know so they're gonna perfect. Make, they're going to make another Halloween movie again. For years down the line. Yeah, somehow, some way, yeah. there's going to be, you know, I don't know. It was just like, it wasn't Michael that got thrown in the meat grinder. It was Davey Myers. You know? It was Dana Carvey. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Michael Myers. Mike Myers survived. And Dana yeah. Carvey got thrown in the woods. It was exactly. So it was, you know, the thing is, is that with the, um, you know, with, with, with Halloween, you know, it was just like, it was just like, oh my God. It was just like, you know, that, that, that 2018 movie was just like, it brought you back to 78. Mm-hmm. It was like a perfect, like, follow-up. To the, to the original 78. And then in Kills, Halloween Kills, it's just like, all right, I think they just hit the iceberg. Yeah, it's, you know? it, it, it's not and then horrible, it's but, slowly... it, but man, it's shaky because it yeah. becomes about like mob mentality and the media. And it's and just it's like, like okay, evil that's... dies tonight. Yeah, right, oh, yeah. Christ. I was just... And how do you mix up Michael Myers with a short fat guy who looks like the penguin? I mean, Jesus Christ, man. The thing is, is that... Yeah, but I remember like, seeing that. That's Michael Myers. He can't move. I remember, I, yeah, I remember seeing He's that. He's on a cane, for Christ's sake. I remember seeing that and thinking, all right, well, maybe they'll pull it out. And yeah. then the next one was worse. You know, it's just and the next one was barely Michael Myers. This whole big, you know, and I know we've spoken about this in different podcasts, this whole big final dramatic showdown with Laurie just wasn't it was like mm-hmm. it was like another podcast we talked about where it was just like it was two hours to get into the haunted house and then you got two minutes of move along move along move along oh yeah it, with the, the scares that, that you, you went to yeah. yeah and it's just it's kind of like wait i did all of that for that mm-hmm. and it's just like and that's where that's it's where, like how you don't see a brooklyn gorilla until an hour into the legacy meets a brooklyn gorilla yeah and the movie's only 75 minutes yes and he doesn't actually meet him. He makes him. He makes him, you know? And how he... Oh, it was all a dream. That's right. Oh, my God. The whole movie was a dream. I forgot The whole movie that. was just a freaking dream. Sorry to give it away. But... Uh, Spoilers for Bella Goes, He Meets a Broken Girl, which, you know, it, which I believe is in the public domain. You know, if you were just about to watch it tonight, I just blew it, and I apologize. You watch Queen Kong instead. Queen Kong was just like... Oh my god. Death Race 2000, highly recommend. Oh, you want some good Roger Corman? Death Race 2000 was amazing. You, Sylvester you know Stallone. If, yeah, you want to know if David Sylvester, Carradine. You want to know if Sylvester Stallone was David was Sylvester Stallone before he was anybody? Yes, he was. He was. You know? Oh, fuck it. Doing the closed captioning for him would have been would have been impossible. <laughs> Just question marks come up. Like like that old SNL sketch with yeah. buckwheat. Yes. It's just question. I was like, what? 
He's unintelligible. He's like he's like Tor Johnson, you know. It's just like what did he? Is what's interesting that feeling you just time for go to bed. Yeah, you just reminded me of that. Was like it's so rare when something could come back and be as good as it was. Yeah, like, I always mention the new Beavis and Butthead, which we both love. Yeah, like that's better. That's than it was better. in the 90s. It was raw in the 90s. Now it's refined. Yeah, exactly. But it's sharper, it's smarter, it's funnier. Right. And it reminds me of um, when you said Buckwheat, when Eddie Murphy came back in like 2019. Yeah. When he did the Dolomite movie, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he did The Coming to America. Mm-hmm. Good, but the biggest thing was when he came back to Saturday Night Live was the first time. And he just, he killed everything single sketch and it's one of those where it's like oh yeah yeah apparently you can have it again yeah you don't have to lower your expectations because something's a little older but it's so rare to do and especially a lot of these things we're talking about it's different people coming in and doing it right you know steven spielberg did not direct indiana jones Mm -hmm. you know james mangold did you know uh uh was it glenn gordon karen who did the halloween movies he's not john carpenter no you know he's not so it there's this feeling, um, Terry Metalis, who produced um, Picard, he was like an executive assistant in Enterprise. He, ne- he like he was a right. Star Trek guy, but he never ran it before. Right. So, so there you'd say that huge crapshoot. Like, does this guy like this? Right. For the same reasons I like it, like Batman versus Superman. Mm-hmm. Whether or not Zack Snyder even likes the DC heroes, and I, I would argue that he probably doesn't because mm. he, he seems to. Be, there's, he's there's, a contrarian. Yes, he's a contrarian, and every character is a contrarian. You know, and and that's that that's not always a bad thing. But you, but there's the meat and potatoes that you know. There's the core of what that character is, and sometimes and what the fans are looking for. Yeah, and and sometimes as a fan, what I like about that character is not what the creative person likes about that character. Right. So something like Batman vs Superman and Justice League, the whole Snyder verse, correct, or the Flash. Um, oh. They, the flush. They yes. They took characters that I've loved, uh huh, and and, and mangled I them. Well, well, I don't recognize anything in that character that I respond to when I or see that, you that like, character. That you yes, really, yeah, that I like. Yeah. I hated the Flash. You know, yeah. I don't like Ezra Miller's portrayal, but I I always loved you got the Flash. Double I, Ezra Miller in that movie. I know in every scene. In every. If scene. you don't like Ezra Miller, well, there's nowhere in the screen you can look at to avoid him. Yeah, there's the you're done. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like. And I love Michael Keaton, but man, that was Michael Keaton felt like me. He was in this movie against his will, and he was waiting for it to end. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, it's, that's that's actually a great example because the Flash does all this nostalgia at the end, but you don't give a shit because it's all like poor CG just thrown in. Because it's all you know, it's like oh look, you see, yeah, we threw it with Michael Keaton. Well, here's Adam West. And here's Nicolas Cage. But they also, and here's George Reeves. But they don't do anything. But they don't do anything. And they don't add to anything. Like It's just like, that's kind of like, ah, oh, that's okay. Next. You compare that to Spider-Man No Way Home, which right. I just loved, is I mentioned it before. Toby. I don't like the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Right. Okay. I, I think they got a lot of the character wrong. Okay. Like, he wasn't funny. It wasn't light. It was all about his parents, which nobody right. really cares about in the comics. Right. But when they bring him into No Way Home... Yeah. They give him enough to do emotionally uh-huh. and for that story yep. where I loved Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. You know, the scene yeah. where he, he he rescues MJ and he starts crying because he couldn't rescue Gwen breaks my heart. And when I see Gwen Stacy die in Amazing Spider-Man 2, mm-hmm. I don't give a shit. I right. like Emma Stone and I don't give a shit. Right. Yep. Because, because of the tone of it. Yeah. And it's like sometimes you can go back to something shitty and make it good. Yeah. You know? It's funny because, like, when you said um, we we were talking about Batman earlier, mm-hmm. I remember back in the eighties when the, when the Michael Keaton movie was coming out. Right, I was just like, "Ooh, they're making a new Batman." Well, is Adam West going to be in there? And I was kind of like, well, "Adam no, West I, was thinking the same thing." Adam West was thinking the same thing. <laughs> no. It's like it's like my phone hasn't rung all day, <laughs> Commissioner. Where is the? Hello. I'm just Signal. checking to see. Get off the phone. I think someone is calling me. <laughs> you know? But I was just kind of like, you know, it's just immediately going back to, to Adam West. Yeah, it's your nostalgia. It's and like, there's the nostalgia because... You were there for Batman for Adam West. Right, exactly. And a lot of people were. There were a lot of people complaining, like, why is this dark? Why is there no Robin? 
Why right. Is it not yeah. Adam West. Yeah. And I was, you know, personally, I had gotten into the comics. Right. With Dark Knight Returns. So Which I was a lot different from the series. Or TV a lot, series. A lot closer to the Tim Burton movie, especially at that time. Yeah. So I couldn't wait. Yeah. But no. yeah, you're right. It's like there were a lot of people that were thinking, this is not why I come to this character. Yeah, I was probably but one it, of them. For me, it was why I came to that character. It yeah. was why I was buying the comic. Because anyways. you had different interpretations of Batman mm-hmm. that that met what you liked, what you wanted. And it's not an exact science. It's an art. It's like, what, yeah. what makes Batman Batman? Because Adam West is Batman. Michael Keaton is Batman. Christian Bale is Batman. Kevin Conroy is Batman. They're all different. Mm-hmm. They're all Batman. But George Clooney's not Batman. No, he's not. He's George Clooney in a, in a Batman suit. In a rubber suit. suit. <laughs> Yes, with nipples. Yes. Who, by the way, the last time I the last time I watched Batman and Robin last month, mm-hmm. I realized he's doing Adam West. Not, really? Not his voice. He's doing his body movements. He does the glove thing, and, and he does the head wiggle. You know how Adam West would always oh, do that yeah. head wiggle in the yeah, mask. Yeah, yeah. George Clooney does that three or four times. That's funny because the thing is, is that with there Adam, was also a great moment where they, Batman and Robin are running in to like look at Mister Freeze, uh-huh. and I paused it, and it's like this movie was like. One of the most expensive movies at the time. Uh-huh. And George Clooney has his head turned where the whole mask is sliding <laughs> off his head. And there's a big gap by his cheek. And I'm like, I'm like, guys, that that's a retake. <laughs> yeah, we might want to do that one over. Hi, Freeze. I'm Batman. You know, it's, it's, it's weird because it's like, um, you know, I, I, you know, Back then, I think in the late 80s, Batman was so ubiquitous because it was coming out because there had not been a Batman since really Adam West. Adam West. Yeah. I mean, there barely been there barely been animated series. Right. Exactly. It was just the comic. It was I, just... I, I think, if I recall correctly, between Adam West mm-hmm. and Tim Burton, all there was in Batman, besides the comics, and there were always the comics. Right. Uh, there had been Super Friends. Which right. was basically the Justice League, right? So then, yeah. kind of a gray area because, like, it's he just, really doesn't do anything. No, well, nobody flies does. in a helicopter. Nobody does. They the backcopter, whatever. They all stand around and wait for kids to Superman, share. Superman, Superman does everything in the Justice League cartoon because he catches things. They weren't because allowed to punch does. anybody, right? Exactly. And the thing is, it's funny. but but yeah, yeah. Uh, there had been one Batman animated series in '77, which is right. the one with Batmite. Oh God! And that was it. And that was it. So, so, but the Adam West show. But that was, was just running. like Adam West in a way, because it was as goofy. It had Adam West's voice, you know. And yes, and that's also yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is that it took me a time to accept Michael Keaton as Batman, mm. because even though I love Michael Keaton as an actor, yeah, I was still nostalgically attached to Adam West. And it's only when now we're going back now decades after Adam West. Decades after Michael Keaton, mm-hmm. when Batman Begins comes out, yeah. I was just like, oh, wow, that's a version of Batman I really haven't seen. I love Christian Bale. I love Liam Neeson. And this is this is like, okay, I almost feel like, okay, I, I feel like I can still have my allegiance to Adam West, which I used to watch every day after school, yep. you know, and... I could also like this new thing because it was really good. Yeah, and for me, it was like I, sitting in that theater. I was like, "This is the closest they've ever gotten to the comics." Right, and that's what made, and that's how, like in in essence, it's just like, okay, well, you accepted Bale, can you accept Keaton right now? And yeah. it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, you know, and and Nicholson as the Joker is great. Cesar Romero will always be my favorite. Mm-hmm. You know, Heath Ledger I, was I, amazing. I do think Jack Nicholson doesn't get the credit he used to, and I think he still deserves it. Yeah, he was a great. He was Joker. a great Joker. Yeah, you know that that you know that final scene with with them, you know, on you know that final fight on the uh, the uh, whatever whatever structure the, that they're the on the cathedral, yeah, the cathedral, yeah, yes. with the gargoyle, yeah, uh, gets you know stuck, you know, tied to his leg and stuff like that. That's a that's one hell of a way to end the movie, mm-hmm. because also at the end we hear that like that laughter at the end. Yeah, the little laugh bag when he falls. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of it's funny because like I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, I'm, yeah, I'm sitting there watching it. But there's a part of me that's also thinking, Caesar Romero. Oh yeah, you know. Well, they, and there are always little nods to that. You know, uh, you know, Dark Knight, the uh, the clown mask they wear in the beginning. Yeah. You know, Heath Ledger is wearing Caesar Romero's mask. Right, yeah. From the from the episode where he's Pagliacci. 
It's the, the cloud, same design. Yes. yes. It's the same design. So there's always this through line. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I find so fascinating about Batman mm-hmm. as other characters is he's so hard to break. Right. And we've seen so many different versions of him. Like Spider-Man, I feel like there's a right and wrong to Spider-Man. Like Peter Parker has a set personality. And if you don't do that, he's not Peter Parker. That was my problem right. with Andrew Garfield. He was too morose. You know, he, he mm-hmm. wasn't fun. But Batman, it's like, you can have Batman fighting dinosaurs. You can have Batman doing a detective story. Right. You can have Batman crying in the Batcave. Right. You know, you can have you can have Batman punching people until they can't breathe anymore. You can have Batman grabbing people with his bat line and not touching them. Right. Like they're all, they all feel right. They all feel right. And it, there's so few things that do that. And I, yeah. And maybe it's a tone. Maybe it's, you know, I think we're dancing around it. But I maybe I think it's just maybe it's the love of the character. Like, do yeah. you love do you love the character for what it is? Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of guys, especially in these reboots, mm-hmm. they don't love what they're coming to. They're using it as mm-hmm. a platform. Like, right. I thought that uh, the Todd Phillips Joker movie is an interesting movie, but I never get the the idea that Todd Phillips grew up loving the Joker. Ugh. I think he was just like, mm. I want to make a movie like Taxi Driver, and he basically said so in interviews. He's like, I wanted to make, make a movie like they made in the 70s and 80s. Right, but the right, only right. way they'll pay for that is if I make it about a superhero. Right. So it's like, well, Joker's crazy. I'll you make know? a guy losing his mind. But it's like, there's not a moment. And I think Joker is a good movie. It's a good movie. Sure. Um, I don't watch it over and over again. You can. Uh, I like the Matt Reeves Batman more than I like mm-hmm. the Todd Phillips Joker. Right. Um, and the Matt Reeves Batman I don't watch over and over again. Exactly. It's three yeah. hours long. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I get the feeling that it was like, he was just... He was just wrapping a superhero around it to make it more commercial. Right. There was never a moment in that movie where it was like, oh my God, that r- resonates with this story I read. That right. reminds me of Cesar Merrill. That reminds me of Jack Nicholson. That reminds me of Heath Ledger. It was yeah. just its own thing. And that's when it works. But a lot of times, yeah. uh, I keep thinking about the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot with Jackie Earl Haley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was nothing that felt like Freddy Krueger in that movie. Right. You could have somebody in a striped sweater... Yeah. Saying they were, they were Freddy Krueger with a but, melted face, but was it Freddy Krueger? You know, it's almost as like, can you accept this character, warts and all? Mm-hmm. You know, and can, and we, why do you care? Why do you love that character? And why do you love the character? You know, do you love you know? the trappings around it? Do you love the genre it's in? Right. Or do you like, or do you care about the core personality of who he is? Right. And I think that seems to be your problem, you Last Jedi. And I'm not going to argue against your point. Is that Luke? Luke is was not Luke. Luke was not Luke. Yeah. You know, Han was Han in Force Han Awakens. Han was Han, and that's what made the first one better. Yeah. You know, part seven. Now, that's, is that why you don't like new Mystery Science Theater? Well, because it's not Joel. It probably has something to do with that. Yeah. Because you've watched, you know, you watch Joan episodes, you, know, you watch Emily episodes. Yeah, I've watched Emily. And, and the writing's I, there. The writing's really? there. The jokes are, are fine. Yep. You know, it's not a ringing endorsement when you use the word fine. Simply you know, fine. It's this is what Adam West Fine. Does. You know, the jokes are fine. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're funny. You know, they'll make you, they'll make you chuckle, mm-hmm. you know. But I'm not bent over laughing like Joel. I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, and, 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 and to a lesser a- degree, to a much lesser degree, I laughed harder at Mike than I did at like uh, like Werewolf, which mm-hmm. is probably the crescendo of, of all the Mike episodes. Yeah, I agree. The the thing is, is that with with uh, with Patricia Day and Emily and Jonah, they're talented. They're funny. I mean, Pat Oswalt's a powerhouse, and he's in those new ones. But there isn't this there isn't this connection that I feel to, to like Joel. There isn't like this. There's like a loyalty to Joel, you know. Yeah. And, and even though Joel, and there's a loyalty to Joel the, is producing all of it and he's owning all of it. You know? Yeah. And unfortunately, we're saying this on a day when the next season of MST is not happening. It's not happening. Because their fundraising didn't... Their didn't fundraising make, only got to like 70%. I, I donated and, uh, you know, and it, it didn't make it. So we don't know that there's ever going to be more. You know, and that's, that's the thing. It's just like, you know, you... Um, I loved Mystery Science Theater kind of like for the simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't have to go crazy with the sets. This the, the very the, DIY. Yeah, yeah. The sketches just had to be solid. Mm-hmm. You know, I was used to the voice of Tom Servo as Kevin Murphy. Mm-hmm. I was used to, I guess, Trace as yep. 
and Crow yeah, and Doctor Forrester and Doctor Forrester. I love Frank. Yeah, me too. I remember when we were Frank was my Frank is Frank. Still you once my said you once said back in the day, back in the nineties, you thought Frank was the funniest guy you've ever seen on TV. I think still think Frank was the funniest guy that was on Mystery Science. I you mean, know, ex, you know, not taking away from Joel who created the whole thing, right? No, but of you're right. Not. There, there was again, there was that tone. There's the, a nucleus. The thing I loved about Mystery Science Theater, and I don't even like the Mike episodes as much as the Joel episodes, because there was this DIYness, but also Joel has this gentle pothead kind yeah. of thing, like like. He gave the feeling that he was sitting there watching this movie and just kind of having fun with it. Yeah. He wasn't going after it. Right. Which is hard to do because, like, a lot of these movies make you angry because they're so bad. Because they're bad. Yeah. And they have glaring things that are mm-hmm. worth pointing out. But there's no aggression <clears throat> to the old show. And it just seemed like this easy chair that you so get forward right. to. And as you said, that's a lot of times why after a long day, that's what you put on. Right. Exactly. It's even like watching your favorite sports team. You know, the players are on a come and go. You remember your favorite players from a specific team. Right. That's the nucleus of the team. Now, the team may have done, may have won a championship. Maybe they came close. Maybe they weren't that good. But there was something about the players on that team that you really, really liked or you really, really identified with, you know. It's why everybody says Saturday Night Live was better when they were a kid. Yeah. It wasn't. Saturday Night Live has been uneven since 1975. I mean, There have been great sketches. There's been peaks and valleys. And there's been a lot of cast members that became movie stars and a lot of cast members that became nothing. Yeah. But you you remember the heights of it. And you remember how it affected you the first time. Like When you say Saturday Night Live to me, Phil Hartman. First thing that comes to my mind. There you go. Phil Hartman. You know? I think it was the funniest guy who was ever on that show. You know? I'm not going to argue against that. Was he, you know... Does he get the credit that, that uh, you know, all these years later, do, do people remember Phil Hartman? I hope they do. Uh, there, there was actually um, Dana Carvey and David Spade do a Saturday Night Live podcast uh-huh. called Fly on the Wall that I love. And they mostly just interview people that have worked on the show. So people that right. have written or cast members or hosts and get the perspective of what it's like. And they did like two, two three-hour episodes about Phil Hartman. Right. And one of the things they said <laughs> on it, and, you know, they were both in the cast with Phil, so sure. they knew Phil really well. But one of the things they said about it, they were like, we were feeling like people are starting to forget Phil, and that is not okay. Yeah. You know, when 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 there's the uh, the sketch Because it was 30 years ago. Yeah. The sketch with, with Chris Farley, I recently watched it, was, you know, down by the, you know, living in a van down oh, by the river. Which Bob Odenkirk wrote. You know? You've got uh, David Spade, you've got Christina mm. Applegate, you've got, I forgot who played the mom, oh my God. Uh, and, and... Uh, Oh, Julie Bar- Sweeney, right? Yes, yes, that's Julie right. Sweeney, Chris Farley, you know, and Phil Hartman. Funny because Hartman is really not the focus of that sketch. No, he's just the dad. He's but a he's just man. the dad. He's the straight yes. man. Farley is the is the is is the guy who you you know you pay attention to. But it's it, for me, it's like it's almost like that's part of the body of work that belongs to like Phil Hartman. Mm-hmm. You know, he did the Franken Frankenstein lawyer, whatever. Or... Unfrozen caveman lawyer. Unfrozen caveman lawyer. Yeah. That's it. Yep. And then there was Tonto Tarzan and Frankenstein with Kevin Neal and John Which was, they Lovitz. were hysterical. The funniest Frankenstein I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. You know. They didn't even paint him green. They just put a head <laughs> on him because it's a live show. We don't have time to paint perfect. him green. It's <laughs> perfect. You know. It's like, ah. He's, you know, it's just, there's that, there's that connection to... That nostalgia that is like, it's just like, oh my God, this is so funny. And then people will remember years of Saturday Night Live where just like, yeah, the opening sketch was funny and then the host opening monologue was okay and then the show just went on for the next 75 minutes. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of episodes where I was like, I just sat there. Weekend Update was okay. Weekend Update was okay. Weekend Update good. is a different show than Saturday Night Live. It's got its own writers, its yeah. own producers. It's you basically know. they stop the show and do Weekend Update as a 15-minute show. Which is pretty fun. Show. This yeah. is usually, for the most part, generally speaking, with with the, with the hosts that they've had from like Dennis Miller, Colin Quinn. Uh, Norm MacDonald. Norm MacDonald. Oh, my God, Norman. yeah. you just like, but then again, there's the nostalgia, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they fired Norm Macdonald. Yeah, which you know, which is like either either this show is like uh, you know, when they asked him back to host, yes. or he really sucks. Or something yeah, like that, yeah right? he's like when they asked him back to host, he was like, "They fired me for not being funny." So either I got funny, or this show got really, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> and you got it. You got to You know, you got to love that. But you're right. It is. I, I do think like the two guys they have on there now. 
Oh, Michael Che and uh, yeah. Jones, yes. Oh my God, they are hysterical. Ah, uh, yeah. I, are, but then again, they've got those writers, and those writers are good. Yeah. So, you know, but you do. Rem- I do. I do remember like Norm Macdonald, Dennis Miller, Colin Quinn. I was just like, oh my God, these guys are good. Oh yeah, and they've you all know? you know, and, and they've all been really successful. Yeah, exactly. You know, so oh. you know, it's it's. So it's, that's it. Yeah. So I, I guess what we're saying is like, you can change things. Yeah. But there's. There's a central emotional feeling. Yeah. If you change that, right. You don't have what I'm here for and if you don't if you don't have if you don't have what the audience comes for, right. That's when they really turn against. Do you. I still like it? Yeah, and Can I accept it for what I for what I'm used to? And I do think there's a limit. You know, I, and there's a limit. Yeah, there, there's you a know? limit of how far you're going to push it cuz right. Like I said, um, you know, I lo- I will always love Batman and Spider-Man. Mhm. But I'm not gonna let Batman and Robin. I'm not gonna let any Spider-Man. Right, too. exactly. You know, um, I'm, I'm gonna live with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny. It's just like okay, that's that's the that's the, that's the elephant in the room, and that's yeah. fine. You know, it's almost like even like um, I remember Yoda in uh, in Empire Strikes Back, and I'm like, man, I really liked it because he's a bit of an asshole, it's Frank know? Oz, but he was a likable asshole. Yeah. You look at the prequels. Oh, Yoda is this like. Eh, he's not very likable. Well, and he's CG'd, you know, so... Well, I used to have a bit about Yoda um, that in the prequels, because in the prequels he's very serious and he's take charge and he's running everything. Yeah. And I was like, he goes from that to fighting a droid over a piece of candy and losing. Yes. I was like, those years, beat this with the with Empire was hard on Yoda. <laughs> you know? Like, and yeah. also when you find out, he's just doing that to fuck with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's his own entertainment. He's like, you know? I'm going to do my Grover voice. You know? And, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to hit this droid you know? with a stick. I mean, basically, he and could annoy. crush this, he could crush this droid with, like, you know, a swing of his hand. Yeah, the Chosen One shows up to learn how to be, become a Jedi. Yeah. And I'm just going to fuck with him and make him eat my shit soup. You know? Exactly. A nice big bite. You know? <laughs> well, we've been doing nothing but reference references and recommendations of the whole thing, so I don't think we need to do a greatest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. But um I'll just wrap it up to talk about the movies we've watched. What was we watch I I feel like we watched like eight, nine movies. Oh my god, yeah. Week. And we didn't even mention all of them. We the, we watched the Tomb of Ligeia last night. Yeah. Which was a good It's good. Roger Corman, yeah. uh Vincent Price, Edgar Allan Poe movie. It's fine. What surprised you the most, good or bad? What do you think is gonna stick with you? When you think uh, about, hey, that, that you know, weekend that we just watched all the movies. When I think about this weekend, one? and I promise you, I will think about this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I think Death Race 2000 will stick with me. Okay. Because it was just, it was just so over the top, kind of like bad, that it was just, I just was just like, like... It just it, there was something there was something about that movie that was uh, look it's bad it's really bad yeah. but the thing is but it knows it knows it's a it's it knows it's a schlocky B movie you know it, the lead character calls himself Frankenstein and everybody talks about him casually yes which I never got over where they're like where they're like all right Mister there's one line where they go well you know the president is a good friend of Frankenstein and I was like. <laughs> That is the level we're hitting with this movie. <laughs> yeah, we're never going above that. That's yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that's what is that's what's endearing. I think because the thing is is that that movie is you know, almost nostalgia wise, it's a young Sylvester Stallone. Whether you like Stallone or not, he's it's important. a young yeah, yeah. He's a big part of that movie. David Carradine, you know? Mm. He also, was in a lot of different stuff. Also a solid 10 minutes of boobs. And boobs. <laughs> TNA all around. Same thing with Frankenhooker, you know. Frankenhooker has one central scene with it's like twelve prostitutes, none of whom were wearing shirts. Yeah, and then they and, and they all do crack and explode and explode. Spoilers. Spoiler. If you haven't seen it since the eighties, it's uh... well. If you want to let us know what's your favorite bad movie, there are ways to get in touch with us. Uh, I'm at not on my book on Instagram. Um, that's usually pictures of toys. Mm-hmm. I I am not on X. I'm not on Twitter. Uh, there is an account there. I don't follow it. I deleted the app from my phone. But you know what? Facebook is probably the best place. We're old men. We're old men. You know, we're lucky we're on social media. We're on Facebook. Facebook. 
We still have MySpace pages out there. That's how old we are now. Uh, but you can go to Facebook.com slash Cafe Comics, where uh, it's also a great place because we post all the news that's fit to geek. We post the latest trailers, and um, we'll get into Doctor Who coming back well, once I... Once the final three have come out, and I'm going to be talking to some Doctor Who experts. Who? Exactly. That's why you're not the guest. That's right. <laughs> I, know, I know nothing about Doctor but Who except f- for Tom Baker. Nostalgia-wise, Black Adder, Captain yes, Rum. Yes, Captain Rum. Well, Tom Baker is, is the nostalgia Doctor Who. Everybody oh, remembers the, that scarf. Is, everyone's the, the scarf, yeah. But you can also uh, just subscribe to the show anywhere you get it. If you're not subscribed already, chances are you are. Uh, we've been doing this for 10 years, and we're everywhere you get your podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. Elliot Serrano loves to say, you can just ask Alexa, play Caffeinated Comics. We did that one night. My voice will come out. Yeah. See? Mm-hmm. Alexa's see. waiting for me to play me while I'm recording me, which will go to Alexa. It's a feedback loop, which will give you tinnitus. So we're not doing it. All right. <laughs> either way, we will talk to you next week.